born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts, the book of Acts, and chapter 4, Acts and chapter 4. I want to cover three things this morning. The great power, the great grace, and the great fear. These are three of the elements that we find in the New Testament church, the beginning church, the first church. And it's wonderful as you read to see what caused this church to all of a sudden explode. And so they only had about 120 on the day of Pentecost, but lo and behold, 3,000, and it was up to 5,000, and then there's a multitude, the Bible tells us. And it's because Jesus has come back from the dead, and everybody's excited. They knew it was real. They knew that what they believed was the truth. And Peter made the statement, we do not follow cunningly devised fables, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw him as he was transferred or figured in order to show them what he would be like during the kingdom. And he was brighter, it says, than the noonday sun. And they heard him. And so you and I have a more sure word of prophecy, which is the word of God itself. So we are studying something that's real. It's genuine. It's not a made-up religion. Not man-made at all, but truly what it claims to be the Word of God. So here in the book of Acts in chapter 4, look there in verse 32. In verse 32 it says, And the multitude of them that believed. Always understand, not everyone will believe. But those that believe are added to the body of Christ. Those that do not believe are not added to the body of Christ. When Christ comes back in the air to get his body, the church, only those that believe will be taken up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So if you have not believed on Jesus Christ, that means you don't believe that he actually died and paid for your sins, and you're trying to earn your way to heaven, you won't go. To believe on Christ means to trust him and him alone as your only hope of eternal life. Your trust must be only in Christ. You cannot trust the church. You can't trust the preacher. You can't trust yourself. Your trust can't be in anything except the death payment that he made that it was for you. And you accept that payment as your payment. So he makes a statement here in verse 32. We're of one heart 
and one soul, one heart, one soul. I want you to hold your place right here and look in 1 Corinthians. Just turn over to your right just a little bit. 1 Corinthians in chapter 1, and you'll notice why they were able to really turn the world upside down in their day. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 1, look in verse 10. If we were like this, we could do it again. Isn't it amazing that 120 people could turn the world upside down in their day, and now we could have 120 churches in Tampa, and nobody knows God's alive. Something wrong with this picture? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, look in verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all, get this, speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you. But as ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment, there is power in unity. A few people working together can accomplish more than you can individually. But what if, what if everyone believed the same thing and your judgment was the same? How powerful of a church we could have. Well, the Bible talks here in the book of uh, Acts about the church had great power. You see, everybody has a certain amount of influence in their life. You can't influence everybody, but you can influence a few people here and there. Everybody has the power of influence. That we, we talk about the power of the Lord working in your life. The Lord works through you to influence other people. Some people don't have any power because they don't influence anybody. Sometimes a bad testimony or sharp words, a bitter attitude, keeps you from having a good impact or a positive impact in people's lives. You can impact them, but maybe not the right way. So he makes a statement here that you all speak the same thing. That means I believe God wants his children to believe the same thing. When it comes to the gospel, all of God's people should believe it the same way. Yet, you look at how many churches there are, and most churches are started because of splits. They split from somebody else, and usually not with the, the blessings. But because people want to go their own way and do their own thing, and somebody's not thinking the same way. Well, the Holy Spirit wants all of God's children to believe the same thing. And the only reason we'll ever believe the same thing is if we study from the same book and believe the same thing. And when we do that, and we live the same way that God tells us to, we will have great power in our lives and in our church, in our families. And so he says, be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the judgment or in your spiritual discernment. But today, see, not everybody's on the same page. So the church is weak. It's anemic. It doesn't have the power. It doesn't have the strength. It doesn't have the testimony that it ought to have. Now, go back now to the book of Acts chapter 4. And you'll notice where it says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. And it says, Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. They all believed that whatever they had belonged to the Lord. Now, I don't care whatever I've got. Whatever I have belongs to the Lord. I use it for the Lord. 
And if God wants to let me lose it, then that was his. It was his anyway. So I don't get upset and I don't worry about it. I've had great big motor homes and I've lost them. And I've had a big home and I've lost that. But I always find that God always seems to give me something back later. You don't worry. Don't worry about things. Things will come and things will go. But the greatest thing that you have is the Lord and you can't lose him. So you can lose your health, but you can't lose God. You can lose your wealth, but you can't lose him. You already possess the greatest thing you could ever have in the world, and that's the Lord. And if you really believe that God in heaven is working in the affairs of man, then it doesn't take too much for you to be generous in whatever you have to give and to help others. And sometimes you are on the receiving end, and sometimes you're on the giving end. But learn to do whatever you do because of contentment. You love the Lord, and he means so much to you. But now notice. I want you to notice this first. He says, but they all had things common. And I've had people say, well, that means that communism is good. And it's true. And that everybody ought to be communistic in their thinking. Well, not so fast. You notice what he says here. I just want you to look in verse 34. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, brought the prices of the things that were sold, laid them down at the apostles' feet. Distribution was made unto every man according he had need. Sounds like a redistribution of wealth, doesn't it? Ooh. I mean, can you believe that this is in the Bible? This is the first church? Uh, but take your Bible, look there in the book of Acts in chapter 2. Uh, in chapter 2, uh, look what he says in verse 44. And all that believed were together and had all things common, sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. They did it again. Well, preacher, how do you explain that? Well, there's several things to keep in mind here. This is because of L-O-V-E. It's because they loved the Lord and they loved each other. Now, it's one thing when you do it because you have to do it. As though under communism they pass laws and whether you want to or you don't, they take it from those that have and give it to those that have not. And then those that do the taking and the giving keeps most of it. That's communism and that's not taught in the Bible. It's one thing when people love each other and are willing to help each other. And the book of Acts is a historical book. There's no commands in this book about what you and I are supposed to do. It didn't tell us that that's what we have to do. This is what they did. Also on the day of Pentecost, they spoke in various languages. There's no command there that tells us that's what we have to do. You see... You don't take verses out of context and try to apply them when that doesn't apply. God also told Moses to go down into Egypt and say, let my people go. Well, my name isn't Moses, and I'm not going to Egypt, and I'm not going to tell them down there, let my people go. Why? Because that doesn't apply to me. That's what God told Moses to do. God told Noah to build an ark. For 120 years, he built an ark for the saving of his house. My name isn't Noah, and I'm not going to go build me a boat. I don't know how to build a boat. And if I did, it wouldn't float. So, 
There's a lot of things in the Word of God that said this happened and this happened and that. But it didn't tell me to do that. The apostles also healed everybody that came along. See there in verse 12 of chapter 5? Where it says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's port. But see, I can't do that. That's what they did. When Peter walked by, just his shadow got people healed. My name isn't Peter. God didn't tell me I could do that. You see, there's a lot of things in the book of Acts that they did. And God wants their heart. He wants their love. And then everything else will take care of itself. If God has blessed you, it would be a shame to, to have it all to give to the Antichrist when the rapture takes place. Because he's going to get all of it. Now, wouldn't that be a shame? Use what you can for the Lord. But because you want to, not because you're forced to. That's what's wonderful about living under grace. We serve the Lord because we want to serve the Lord. We give because we want to. We come to church because we want to. You don't have to do those things. Salvation is a gift. Salvation is not contingent upon you obeying and doing all these good things. Because that would make salvation not by grace, but by works. Uh, go back there to the book of Acts in chapter 4. And you'll notice here in verse 33. And here's two words. And he says in verse 33, And with great power gave the apostles witness. Now, in the book of Acts, in chapter 1, and verse 8, it says, And when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power, that you may be witnesses. You see, the Holy Spirit living within you is to give you all the power, the right, the authority, to tell people Jesus died for the sins of the world, was buried, and came back again from the dead. And you and I are supposed to be bold in presenting that. We're not to be afraid, not to be scared, because the one that has all the authority in all the world gave us the right, gave us the authority. All power is in his hands in the book of Matthew in chapter 28. But now, with great power. Now, some of you trust Christ as Savior, but have you realized that how God can use you to reach other people? So they can have eternal life. And so whenever you allow the Lord to use you, you'd be surprised how God will give you opportunities to share the gospel. And it'll just come, and you won't have no idea how it's going to work, but it will work. All you have to do is be faithful in giving the gospel. And the more you witness, the more power of God you will have in your life. Because the power of God was for witnessing, as you see right here. But notice something else in verse 33. He says, Gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And look at the next two words, great grace. Great grace. You see, there was great power in the lives of the individuals. And the Bible talks about they had great grace upon them. In other words, they did what they did because of the grace of God. In other words, when they realized, look what God has done for me. He has saved me, gave me eternal life. I'm not going to hell. He had given me the free gift of eternal life. Me, 51 years ago in a little old living room in Athens, Georgia. So for the 51 years, God has allowed me to live. 
I did not want God to bestow upon me His grace in vain. I'm not talking about my salvation. I'm talking about the privilege to live since that moment. I didn't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste my life. Whenever I have finished living my life, I want there to be people who get to go to heaven because they heard the gospel from my lips. See, I don't have to die for the Lord. God wants me to live for the Lord. God wants you to live for Him. Can you say at this moment in your life, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Live for Him. It means you're sacrificing your body. A living sacrifice. Wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's what God wants us to do. I want you to take your Bible and look there in 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. Just hold your place here. But 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, there's a tremendous verse here. You just got to see this verse. You ought to underline this verse in your Bible. This is on page 1226 in one of the church Bibles. So look there in verse 10. Verse 10. The Apostle Paul says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now before he trusted the Lord, he was a bad man. But because of the grace of God, God didn't care that he was a bad man. Because, you see, Paul made the statement later, If God can save me, the chief of sinners, well, then everybody should know and understand. If he can save the chief, he can save all the Indians. If he can save the worst, he can save anybody in between. I've had people tell me, say, you don't know how bad I've been or how many people I've killed. I had one man tell me, said, I've killed 52 men. And he was just a, a bunch of nerves, he was just shot. He was a Navy SEAL. But I explained the gospel to him, and he just stood there and he just cried. He had never been told the good news, how he could have eternal life. It didn't matter what he had done, how bad he's been. God still loves him. You see, it's hard for you and I to believe that God loves all those people that are not very lovable, like us. I mean, we can see why God would love us, Right? But why God would love them? They're so bad. And yet God says, all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. There is no difference. We've all come short of God's perfection. But yet He still loves us. You're saved by grace. Only because you trusted Christ as your Savior because He died and paid for your sins. But look what He says in verse 10. But by the grace of God I am what I am. And His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. See, I labored, but you don't have to labor. I don't have to go to church and I still go to heaven. I don't have to read my Bible and I still get to go to heaven. I don't have to give any money and support missions and I still get to go to heaven. I'm going to heaven. Why? Because of his love for me. It has nothing to do with my love for him. That's because he loved me so much. And so God loving me has allowed me to live. I don't deserve that. That's grace. Life is grace. Life is grace. God is allowing you and I the privilege to live. I don't want to live my life in vain. I don't want God to say, I bestowed upon you life in vain. You lived and wasted your life. 
and yet you may know Christ is your Savior. You'll go to heaven when you die. He gave you a life to live, and you may have already lived 10, 15, 20 years since you trust the Lord, and you're wasting your time. You're wasting your life. You're not serious about this thing. And some people will. But Paul says, I labored more abundantly than they all. Look what he says. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. You see, the grace of God is what is the power and the desire to do the will of God. That which drives and motivates you should be the desire to do the will of God for your life. See, he gives it to you, but you can set it aside and waste your life and live for a lot of reason. What made such a difference in this New Testament church is because of the great power that they were all together in one mind, in one accord. And they believed the same thing. They preached the same message. They loved each other. It made a powerful impact. And they had great grace was upon them. In other words, God allowing them the privilege to live this side of eternity was not in vain. Go back to the book of Acts in chapter 4. And he makes a statement, grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. Because they, they took what they had, they sold what they had, they gave it to the apostles and blah, 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 blah. You know, today you couldn't do this because you may not be able to find 10 or 11 people as godly as these guys. That you could trust them. Most preachers today are a bunch of crooks. And ought to be in jail. I'm serious. Most are nothing but a bunch of shysters. All they want is your money and your membership, and you know it, and so do I. They don't care anything about your soul. I preach against sin. I ruffle feathers. I make you mad and uncomfortable. Because, you see, it's to um, stimulate your thinking. Cause you to examine yourself. What are you doing for the Lord? I want people to understand that they are going to have an appointment with God. You may have a doctor's appointment. You don't want to miss that, do you? You got an appointment with the Almighty. Are you ready? Are you ready? Look what else he says here. In verse 35, when it says they did these things, remember, this is a history account of what they did. There's no command here saying, I got to do this. And this. No, it's not to us. But it says there, about a man named Barnabas, and uh, he had some property, and so he sold it in verse 37. Uh, he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. I'm not the apostle, so you don't have to lay it at my feet. I just want to make it clear. I am not the pope. I'm not a Baptist hierarchy. I'm just a preacher. In chapter 5 and verse 1, But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, Sold a possession, kept back part of the price, his wife also been privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now they had connived together, as you'll see up there in verse 4, uh, where it says, Has thou conceived this thing? In other words, they had planned on doing something. We're going to sell our property, and we're going to keep back part of it, and only say this much, and we're going to give it like we're giving it all. And nobody will ever know. So the church was a powerful church because everybody believed the same thing. Everybody was loving each other the way they should. But somebody decided 
to get nasty. Uh, somebody in the church decided to tell a lie. Somebody, and the apostle knew, if they start that, it won't be a strong, powerful church long because lying is going to cause deception and divisions. And it will split this church. So they couldn't tolerate that because it's wrong. Just a little lie? It was a white lie, right? I mean, everybody can tell white lies. They're not as bad as a black lie. Did you know in the Garden of Eden in paradise, they committed one sin, and what did God do? He kicked them out for one sin. In Revelation chapter 21 and 20, verse 27 there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth the work of the abomination or maketh a lie. Lie. One little lie. That's not so bad. You and I know that no, lying isn't bad. Now, I've never murdered anybody and I have never committed adultery. Well, I might have lied. And yet something so small, something so simple, they wouldn't tolerate that. Did you know that what God allows one person to get away with, he may not let you get away with. Don't that just burn you sometimes? When you see people doing things a lot worse than you, and they get away with it, and you can just think it, and God slap you upside the head. My mama could read my mind. She not only had eyes here, she had eyes in the back of her head. She had to. But look what he says here. In verse 3, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie? See, truth comes from the Lord, and a lie comes from the devil. And the devil is the father of all lies. So whenever you lie, just a simple little thing like a lie, that's from the devil. And yet I've had people think that they're going to heaven because they're so good. And they'll say something like, I haven't sinned in 40 years. And they're lying. It's a lie. But see, they don't see it as, it's not that bad. It was just a little one, though. A lie cost these two people their life. You see, they wouldn't tolerate that in the first year. Now, God did not say after this, if you tell a lie, you're going to drop dead in the middle of the church service. If he did, how many of you would be able to walk out of this church service? We would have to have a few funeral services here this morning. And one would be mine. <laughs> have you ever told a lie? If you've never told a lie, raise your hand. You've never told a lie. If you've never stolen anything, like credit for something that somebody else did, or because of pride and deception. You see, I know what kind of people I'm talking to. You're a bunch of liars and thieves. God says, let God be true and every man a liar. But don't think, well, everybody does it, that you can get away with it. Once you trust Christ as your Savior, remember this. The devil is coming after you. Have you noticed that even in a, um, a presidential primary, if you're a nobody and going nowhere, nobody cares. But if you start climbing in the polls... 
Have you noticed that they do everything they can to dig up anything on you? You hiccuped when you were a baby, three years old. And they'll find something on you you don't even know you did. Or forgot all about. But whenever you trust Christ as your Savior, the devil is going to try to remind you of everything you've ever done. And throw it up. You're not qualified. You're not worthy of serving God. You ought to throw your hands up and quit. God can't use you. And Satan is a what? A liar. He is a liar. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.